0: Hi the Podcast listeners, we are on a mini break, but we want to let you know that we are hosting Money Me, a safe and inclusive space to talk money and get a money mindset reset with our favorite money coach, Charlie Stover, they them, the host of the Unicorn Millionaire podcast and the guest of this very special replay episode for you. Join us July 20th at the Pop-Up in Highland Park Register for as little as $1 at tambarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Thank you to our event host, The pop Hop, an independent bookshop and creative learning space that amplifies marginalized voices, supports community growth, and empowers collective good works to build a healthier, more equitable neighborhood. Once again, you can register at tambarindopodcast.com forward slash events, and we hope to see you on July 20th
1: on this episode of tamarindo we are joined by charlie stover a non-binary latinx money coach they're a formerly undocumented mexican-american and ex-stockbroker dedicated to helping their community build wealth. we talk all about money from money myths to money tips we are also in full pride month vibes and leave a little room for some fun q a in honor of that and we also want to acknowledge the regressive laws and increased damaging rhetoric that our community has experienced the difference now is the strength and visibility of our community so a quick message to all our lgbtq plus familia stay in community keep showing up keep seeking healing and liberation and keep feeling into your beautiful queer joy you deserve it happy pride month y'all enjoy the show and brenda will be back with us next week What's up, Tamarindo listeners? We are excited because today we are in studio and I have Charlie Stover. Conmigo, Charlie Stover is a non-binary Latinx money coach helping the first gen clients become millionaires. They're formerly undocumented Mexican-American and ex-stockbroker who is dedicated to helping their community build wealth. This is their mission because when we have all the money Elon Musk has, we'll be saving the planet instead of building rocket ships to escape it. Hey, I love mm-hmm. that line. <laughs> so, Charlie, thank you so much for being with us on Tamarindo in studio, in la Ciudad de México.
2: Right, thank you so much for having me. I'm losing my recording in a studio podcast virginity. And I'm you are so looking excited. so
1: cool in it, uh, like you belong in here. Yeah. So I would love for, for, for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So be on your bio. What are three to five words to describe who you be in this world? Today, I'm
2: somebody who is expanding, always learning,
1: and bringing my people along for the ride. Love it. I know I surpassed the limit, but that's what I do. Yay. Um, So today we are talking all about money, not surprisingly. And I was thinking a little bit about this topic and I was thinking about how I think it might be the most toxic relationship that most of us might have Mm -hmm. Um, is our relationship with money. It affects how we see and we value ourselves. It can it often leads to internal misalignment. It can harm, strain and destroy our relationships with our loved ones and then ultimately i think it causes a lot of collective and societal harm so <laughs> it's 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 a lot it's a lot and so it's important that we talk about it and we're happy to have you t- to talk about it with us so i would love for you to tell us start with telling us a little bit about how you how you got into this work yeah i never thought i
2: would be a freaking money coach not in a million years but I started this work naturally um i grew up as an undocumented immigrant was born in moririam was raised in rural washington state and just witnessed a lot of tension at home like a lot of children of immigrants we have a lot of tense households instability and that was economic a lot of financial abuse that i grew up with that i didn't know um, was abuse too and i just remember when i was like seven years old, my dad asked me to lend him money. It was like $10 that he had given me. And I will never forget that moment that made me feel like, is this normal for a child to like lend back their parents money? Like, is this okay? I don't know. <laughs> like Sure. But in that moment, I just remember feeling so confused and unsafe, which is what a lot of people feel about money. They feel confused and unsafe. And so I've I'm dedicating myself to make people feel safe and happy around money. And that's why I love dancing on the social media and twerking on an ATM machine and having fun (laughs) so that we can just like get over the scarcity and being afraid of money and just talking about these things because we all deserve to be millionaires. And when we have all that money, I know for a fact we'll be making a lot more impact In the world in our communities than these rich white dudes so
1: yes i love that you mentioned financial abuse it's something that we don't really talk about i feel like so i I think that's really interesting that you brought that up and i'm excited to see what else comes up and so one of the ways i like to sort of explore some of these topics is is using what i call store or what we call stories and i like to use the word stories because we often talk about things as if they're facts And when we call them stories, we allow the room to really question if these beliefs are actually true. And I think money is a great area for this type of exploration, because regardless of what our actual situation with money is, I feel like we're all coming with stories and inherited ideas and sometimes trauma around money. And a lot of it starts with how we saw our parents deal Mm -hmm. with money. Right. And so given that, I'd love to open up and and see, you know, you're a money coach. What are some some of the most common money myths and stories, rather, that you hear from, from your clients? Yeah. So my
2: clients are first gen folks who are often the first in their families to make the most, who are making the six figures. And the story that society tells us is that, oh, once we have money, we'll be able to manage it. It'll be all good. But that's not true. You can make more money, but still have the money trauma creep in and make you feel like you can lose it all tomorrow. So that's what my clients come to me with. They feel like they should be grateful for being the first to make $120,000, but then they feel guilty for things like uh, celebrating that they're getting raises because they don't feel like their families might celebrate that. They might think that their families think that they're showing off. So my clients tell themselves that they, they should be grateful for their financial situation and that they shouldn't feel guilty about that. So they tell themselves, oh, I shouldn't feel bad, but I do. And I feel Mm -hmm. guilty and they feel like they're alone. But that's why I love the work that I do, because I'm like, no, this is my shit. Let's talk about this. You're not alone. This is why I love talking about money every single day. You're not alone. Yeah,
1: no. And and both of those two things that you shared, I have felt. And so and I'm sure most of our listeners have. Yeah, I know definitely feeling like every point in time. In, in my career, even when I've had really successful years, just feeling like, oh, it can go at any second. Like you can never just relax, which is mm-hmm. hard. It's very hard to be in that kind of place where you can never, even when you're doing quote unquote well, you can't feel like you can relax. And number two, that we are often carrying guilt. Mm-hmm. So. That sucks, and I just want to invite all of you, all of the listeners. We're probably all feeling way more guilt than we need to be feeling. Mm-hmm. So yes, we can acknowledge that there's a lot of toxic, problematic, societal, terrible things that are going on, but we also need to let ourselves enjoy yes. <laughs> while we try to address some of these systemic things. Let we need to let ourselves enjoy ourselves more. So that I'm telling I'm, that's a message for all the listeners because mm-hmm. most of us are not enjoying ourselves enough. We're carrying way too much guilt. <laughs> I mean, that's why
2: I have like, I get weekly beach massages. I'll post on my stories, like getting a weekly massage so that I can normalize that we need to take care of ourselves and doesn't have to be fancy things like a massage, just literally taking a break, taking a nap. Yeah. Self-care does not have to cost money all the time it just means taking care of yourself truly right. feeling at
0: peace
1: no I actually was talking about it on a recent episode about how like self care has also, also like been sort of eng- been engulfed by like capitalism commodified like, like this idea that like that's another thing you have to check off on your list and mm-hmm. that like rather than it being something that you are embodying that we should always be trying to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. not that it's like one more thing that that we add to our list that we got to pay money for or make time for real um any other stories that you can think of
2: i'm just feeling like the feelings of guilt and insecurity and i just like to remind my clients like are you the first to make this much money ever and then they go oh, yeah, I am. I'm like, see, we need to acknowledge all of the wins because as first gen. We're like leveling up in so many ways, like going to therapy for the first time. Yeah. And we don't acknowledge like how many freaking firsts we've done. There could probably be a whole checklist I could do of the first, first, first this, right. first that.
1: I think also maybe thinking that it's not possible for us to have abun- mm. abundance. Mm-hmm. I know that that's like a story that You know, I've told myself at at points that it's not possible for me to have a lot of abundance and that I don't deserve it sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that you've also seen as well.
2: Yeah, because growing up, we didn't talk about rich people like abundant people. Yeah, we
1: did that word abundance did
2: not fucking exist. Like yeah. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Till, like in my late 20s, I was like, oh, where has this word? Yeah. Been right. all around. Right. <laughs> right. Like my parents talked about rich people like they were bad people, like right. rich people just wanted to buy cars and show off and burn their money and they don't know anything, blah, blah, blah. And sure, that's true. But unfortunately in this capitalistic society money brings power yeah to you but once you do have the money and you have strategies it's up to you to be like oh can i donate this to an organization or a political campaign the u.s pretends it's not corrupt but it sure is and political candidates need money to run for office like voting matters but also unfortunately does money at the end of the day too
1: yeah yeah which is why i like i like i really i do like the word abundance because it's not focused so much on it It allows you to detach a little bit from from the word money Mm -hmm. which we have so many stories around especially in our community how can we just focus on like having more of like goodness I guess you know Mm -hmm. and thinking about how if we focus on being aligned with what we're doing and doing it well that that will hopefully bring in the abundance that that we seek rather than seeking money first and then everything else, right? Money should be an after effect. And I've heard this awesome definition of abundance that's like, it's
2: not having all of the things, it's being content and grateful with what you have. And almost every day I listen to an abundance meditation. It reminds me that everything I need, I already have, but Mm -hmm. I'm still not complacent. I'm still going out there and helping my community and spreading the word because it's urgent because I know I'm not always at that place in my money mindset still needs to to improve. I still coach myself as a money coach. The money trauma still creeps in. When this stock market's crashing, I'm like, oh, my God. That's why coaches and
1: therapists also have coaches and therapists, (laughs) because this is a this is a constant journey. Right. Mm -hmm. We are always learning. We are always unpacking. We always have to check ourselves. Right. Um, So we have some questions that uh, our listeners submitted around money. So we're going to get into those if you if you feel ready to take some questions.
2: Oh, yeah. I got my water
1: right, right here. All right. Okay, cool. Take a little sip. (laughs) Um, So the first question is uh, around like what financial wellness means. So like, what what does that mean to you?
2: To me, financial wellness means what we talk about feeling safe. Yeah. As a coach, I've realized before, I didn't realize this until months into coaching that we're really what I'm doing at the end of the day is using my sense of safety and showing others how I feel safe around money. My job is to help people create a sense of safety for themselves, so financial wellness just means feeling safe with your money and acknowledging that you're not gonna feel safe completely 100% all the time like the stock market is going wild it's been crashing lately and people are scared about it right now too they check their accounts they see it's in red and i'm like they're just trying to gamify it like a casino when the stock market is popping even the numbers aren't green and when it's like dipping it's in red to try to scare people who don't understand it but since i worked as a stockbroker i'm freaking excited when the stock market dips because i'm like ah oh, it's on sale i'm gonna start buying now and aprovechando and i'm like twerking and tell everybody like yo this shit is not going to last forever. Take advantage. Here's a workshop so I can show you why this is important. It's. I'm wearing it for the long term. So financial wellness to me feels like just feeling safe and having an understanding of the big picture and seeing things for the long term because I'm a Virgo and I love planning my life and helping others envision their future
1: millionaire selves. I love that. If if that is your goal to be a millionaire, that might not be your goal, right? Um, I love that. And what I would add to that is not Feeling like money controls you. Mm-hmm. to me, that that is wellness, that money is controlling me or affecting my sense of self or my relationships with others. That to me is like true financial wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels I feel fortunate to feel that right at this moment, which is Yay! very cool because I you know there's been a lot of moments somewhat recently where that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So um, all right. so the next question is how, To save how to start saving money and just generally and then specifically when you are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Those are the two questions.
2: Yeah. So with any recommendation I make, start small. We too often get stuck in the, oh, I need to invest a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or save five thousand dollars a month or I'm not doing it right. But there's no right way to do it because everybody's situation is different. So, even if you can set up a budget and make it fun for yourself and say, okay, I'm going to dedicate this month to saving $5, it's a lot less overwhelming than putting this huge goal on yourself of saving a lot more than that and not reaching it and punishing yourself and going into that guilt cycle. of, oh, I'm not doing this right, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 which is what capitalism wants you to think. They want you to think that you're not doing it right. They want you to get another credit card and max out because these credit card companies want people to not know how to manage their money so they can make money off you and charging credit card interest. They hate people like me because I'm showing people all about the credit card points game and showing people credit card debt payoff calculators and how to be more strategic and objective about money. So... That's why I would start, start small, even if it's $5 for, for a fund too. You can open up a savings account and just literally title it like my weekend trip fund, something that lights you up and makes you excited. Cause that's a lot more exciting, like a massage day fund or a mimosa day or pina colada night with friends fund than fucking savings account too.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'll add to that. I think one thing that we know about creating new habits, which potentially this could be a new habit if if you're new to saving money, is that you want to find ways to make it joyful if you can. Mm-hmm. Not make it feel like a chore, and I think you identified two things. One is not do something that's so overwhelming that you're not going to be able to follow through. And a lot of people do that when they're whether it's working out or something mm-hmm. like this. That's that's an error that a lot of folks make. And number two is you know making yeah. For example, titling that fund whatever joy something that brings you joy as opposed yeah. to just savings account. And you're then ex- you're excited to put money yeah. in it because I love that name. Fico fund. There you go, y'all. You have a pr- <laughs> you have a name right there. Okay, so how about when you're living paycheck to paycheck? You know, a lot of people don't have a lot of money to, to save. So what what do you recommend in that in that case? I love this question because it's framed in the
2: scarcity mindset and assumes that we're going to be stuck living paycheck to paycheck. And we're stuck in this because that's a narrative that I was raised in. Like, we were always sitting around waiting for money, which was fucked up because we left Mexico and then our Mexican family was sending us money back home. So in the U.S. So I felt like, okay, we're just sitting around, not really sure or understanding where the money's coming from and it's not something we can go out and get because my dad was like, oh, we're undocumented, we can't work. And he used that as an excuse to just wait for the money to come. So I get it. I get this scarcity mindset of like, oh, shit, having to save. And so I saved all the money I could, which is why my parents came to me to lend them back the money that they would give me because they knew as a kid, like I had financial anxiety. and I was like, well, I need to protect my family and save in my little freaking piggy bank that sure, I'll break for y'all because I just want us to be OK. Um, so,
1: Yeah. All right. Um, how about how do I use my savings when money trauma has me feeling like I have to protect my money like a dragon with gold? So I just read that verbatim. This was a question submitted. I love it. How do I maximize my savings and <laughs> protecting it? How yeah. do I use my savings? Yeah. yeah. yeah use,
2: yeah. Maximize. Or maximize. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm all about the language. And gotcha. The words I was like, that yeah, yeah, using. So that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain automatically I love switched it, that. For
1: sure. <laughs> I'm all about that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is the work that I do with my clients. I'm like, all right, what word are you choosing? How can we rephrase it? Words are spelled. Words are spelled. And yeah, and back to the paycheck to paycheck thing. I got so lost in the whole piggy bank visualization (laughs) that I forgot to mention that we need to shift from abundance to thinking, Okay, I'm paycheck to paycheck. I have to save money and be smart with it, have a budget you want an emergency fund, Dios, you have that, but also what else can I do to bring in more money and get into that abundance mindset? Like when I was living in DC, I was a bike tour guide on the national mall. I was like 26, working with a bunch of high school students. I was dog sitting on Rover.com because I love pets so much and I was getting paid to take care of people's pets and things like that. So I want you to think about how else can I bring in money? You're not being greedy for seeking more funds, seeking more passive income. Even I'm taking a blogging course that I paid $1,000 for because I wanna learn how to build my blog to spread my message across to help people, but also bring in passive income in ad revenue. So start shifting from the scarcity to the abundance mindset. And so for the the next question of how to maximize my savings, I don't know your financial situation, but you definitely want to focus on having uh, emergency funds. Uh, I don't know if you live with your parents, if you have to pay $2,000 in rent a month, but think about getting a roommate. I always had roommates to share my expenses with in my 20s, and I saved a lot of money that way. And aside from emergency funds, having a budget, thinking about your wants versus your needs, which depends for everybody. I consider massages a need because it's for my self-care. It gets me that physical contact, especially after a breakup. First thing I did was go get a massage to get that physical contact that I knew I was going to miss and take care of myself. So, save the money, but also bring in more money in other ways and use your skills and the talents that the universe gave you to bring in more money because money is energy. And when you put yourself out there and help other people and solve needs, that's when the money will start to come flowing to you. And also, start investing in the stock market. It can be in a retirement account. Again, you can start with $5. I've literally bought stock like $5 because I know that shit's going to grow to $50 in like 10 years. If $5 in cash is going to lose value to inflation at 8%. Like an example that I posted on my Instagram was that if you have $10,000 in cash sitting there, yeah. it's going to be worth like $4,000 in 10 years. If you invest it, it's going to be worth forty thousand dollars. Okay,
1: that was the best way for me to be like, "Yo, they need to not just be looking at my money.
2: <laughs> we need big ass examples over time." No, that's good. That's good. It's
1: like, oh, okay. Yep, yep. It's you don't need to look at the money. Like, put it. <laughs> just you. Know. But 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 I but I think she brings up a good point, right? It's like you want to you want to see it. You want to know it's like there because there is that fear that if you don't see it, it's like. It's not like, oh my God, where is it going? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that there's that. But I love, I love what you shared around being clear on what your wants and needs are in terms of thinking about like how much of your savings need to actually be saved and 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 how much of these savings can you use to in a way that makes you a fulfilled human, mm-hmm. right? Because that's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. At what point in a relationship? should we be discussing our financial info with a potential partner? Ooh, this is a, I thought that was good. a good
2: one.
1: Yeah, I mean, people
2: are more comfortable talking about sex than they are about money. I know I sure was in my last relationship. Like Until I know that I'm about to try to marry you and name you as my beneficiary, I'm going to be really protective over like showing you my accounts and what I have, too, because as a stockbroker, I learned tough lessons around relationships and many. And my manager one day said, you don't know who you marry until you get divorced. And I saw lots of messy shit go down where people would leave their money to their uh, mistresses instead of their wives. Yeah. (laughs) Or they would have their exes on after they died to receive their hundreds of thousands of dollars because they forgot to change the beneficiaries. Imagine Thing in that situation where you're like, mm, you forgot, really? <laughs> so I would just try talking about it in small amounts. My Virgo ass likes to go all in, 100% in relationships. So I would just say, just like feel it out and see how the other person is talking about money and just try having conversations around money mindset and ask them, like, what does money mindset even mean to you? And understand where the person is coming from, from their childhood. Something that I do with my clients when we have our money mindset session is I'll ask, how are your parents talking about money to each other? And how are they talking about it in front of you? A lot of people say, well, they weren't really. My parents weren't, but I, you can feel as a kid, you know what's up and you're psychologically and like you can feel the tension like if I close my eyes and imagine how my mom felt about money and I project that feeling in front of me it's fear and tension and anger and all the negative emotions and I know that that's not me so have compassion for yourself and for your your partner or partners in that we inherit a lot of icky stories and feelings about money that we're not even aware of too and I think that's the first step But then also, I don't know if you want to split expenses, have a joint investing account with a partner invest together. That's an extra level of trust that I have not encountered with anybody yet because I'm still trying to like figure out if they're still going to therapy and still trying to heal their traumas. Like I'm not trying to invest with you yet. (laughs) So I would say feel it out. But Talking about money is super important because that's one of the number one reasons people divorce is because of money.
1: Yeah, too. going back to the toxicity that money can have. I, yeah, I, that feels so important. And just starting starting early. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if it's on your mind, then it's important to talk about it. If you're mm-hmm. thinking about it, if it's feeling awkward, then if this is gonna potentially be your partner, then it's time to talk about it, right? Cause Feeling awkward is not what you want with a potential partner, your partner. (laughs) But it's like sex.
2: Like I remember watching Sex, Love, and Goop with my ex, and I was like, "This is awesome. This needs to be required viewing for my next partner." So we can. It's like the gateway to being able to talk about intimacy and sex in ways that I had never imagined before. So I think Mm. that that's something good. If if watching a show about a certain topic helps you break the ice to have something concrete to talk about, that helps too. Like there's Netflix Money Explained, which explains the whole credit card uh, history and all that I definitely recommend that for viewing with your boo thing or boo things.
1: yeah I like that I feel like that's a um it's you know I feel like a, a therapist is that third party when you're not necessarily seeking a therapist this a tv show could be that third party that allows that opens up for conversation right
2: yes (laughs) pandora's box
1: i love that i love that that's great i think that that's a good way if you're feeling uncomfortable about talking about something maybe finding a way that that oh that gives you that in to that topic which Mm -hmm. could be a show for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. How about investing 101? This was asked several times. I think it's very overwhelming for folks to know how to get started. It's like, okay, great. I have a little money. I don't know what to do with it. How do I even get started? Especially for folks, a lot of folks in our community who didn't grow up with this knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Growing up, my mom told me, don't trust
2: brokers, and don't invest your money. It's a scam in the stock market. They're just trying to rip you off and get paid off of commission. And also I was like, oh, okay. And my parents are also like, credit cards are a scam. They're for poor people that can't afford things and they just like to get into debt. All these classless things that I heard that are not true. Credit cards are not a scam. This is millionaires use credit cards to get paid for spending money.
1: Right like i've been and they, and they get paid well <laughs> yeah because they spend a lot of money yeah <laughs> like i use a
2: business credit card and i get a tax write-off for accruing credit card interest for my business it's funny how it's for businesses and not for Mate. personal it reminds me of how like homeowners get a tax write-off for paying their mortgages but rent people pay the rent and that doesn't count as a tax write-off yeah. So investing 101 is a huge topic and it can be overwhelming. So I would just say start talking with people. It can be an uncomfortable conversation, but literally ask people, what do you know about investing? Have you heard of Roth IRAs? Because this is how I kind of started. My middle class wife friends in college would be like, you need to open up a Roth IRA, Roth IRA this, Roth IRA that. I was like, I don't know what this is. And then I waited too long. I waited until I was 26 years old, hustling my butt off, living with four roommates um, in D.C., And I was just, I had all these jobs and everything, but I was like, this is not sustainable. I can have the energy to do this now, but I want 70-year-old Charlie to be taken care of because I'm not trying to have human children. I'm facing family estrangement. My parents are not financially supporting me. I haven't seen my parents in like over combined 18 years. I need to make sure that I'm good for the future. So I spoke with a friend who worked as a financial advisor at Charles Schwab, and she sat me down and she didn't really explain what the fuck a Roth IRA was, but all she had to do was show me a graph of the stock market and how it went like up and down, up and down like a roller coaster. But over time, it grew like a monster. And she was like, you're not making a lot of money now, but it doesn't matter. You're so young. You have so many years for time to work for you. And boom, I was sold. I was like, yeah, let's get in on this. Like in 70 years, I want to make sure I'm good or whatever. And so she helped me open up two investment accounts. Um, But to get started as well, I, on my website, TravelerCharlie.com, I have several investing workshops for free to start normalizing this language that was created by the cishet white man to make us feel scared and to exclude us on purpose so that we could we had to feel like we had to have a nine to five forever and we couldn't live our lives until we're 65. And that's false. It's not true. There's a lot of resources out there, like the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, too. Janice has people on her podcast all the time. BIPOC folks queer folks, normalizing, investing, because it's something for us as well. And social media is a great way. uh, If you want to follow me at TravelerCharlie.com, I'm twerking out here. I'm dancing. I'm not some like cis dude bro in my basement day trading. Like I'm making this stuff fun and normalizing that we need to learn about it now. And don't feel guilty for not starting earlier. Like I wish I had started when I was 18. Or when I was age zero, like when I was working at the brokerage firm, people had babies and boom, they'd open up investment accounts for, for their yeah. like babies because they knew that time was on their side to invest. Yep.
1: Well, all we can do is like be where we are and yeah. it makes it makes it doesn't help at all to be thinking about like, I wish, I wish, I wish. Just get started and stop thinking about that, right? Yeah, my clients um, help
2: their parents open up investment accounts in their 50s. So it's never too late.
1: Yeah, I think also maybe getting clear on what your goals are. As a mm-hmm. good first step, thumbian. Like, what is it that you want to do? Short term, mid term, long term, thumbian. And can that can change you. for sure. For definitely. sure, definitely. For sure. Um, I I know that I was like definitely did the thing where I actually reached out to folks, even though I was really embarrassed to admit that I didn't know very much. So I think y'all need to get over the fact that you're like, oh, I'm, you know, 30 or like, you know, whatever age you are and like don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's okay. Like if. If your friends are your friends, that they're they're gonna support you. so don't don't let fear or like, you know, shame get in the way of you taking the steps to mm-hmm. to start investing is, is something that that I would say. and it might make sense for for some of y'all to actually just book a meeting with um with a coach or a financial yes. advisor. I know that 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 was really helpful for me. I was like, you know mm-hmm. what, this feels expensive, but like, The longer that I keep waiting to invest in myself Mm -hmm. and learning about this, the more that nothing is happening. Yes. (laughs) So the longer nothing changes, right? I'm like, oh, this is too expensive. And then months and months happen and I've still done nothing is which is exactly what happened to me. And finally Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I gotta bite the bullet and I gotta actually spend some money to understand what the hell i'm doing yeah, <laughs> that's why i hired a business coach
2: too i dropped three g's right, right, right. and i was happy to sell Elon musk's little car company stock to pay for my guatemalan american <laughs> yeah,
1: get him out, business get him coach out, get him out of your accounts oh i did <laughs> and i paid for
2: and i doubled my investment in a month and i could not believe that all this power was in within my mind and so that's why I'm super excited for us to invest in each other yes because investing in a stock market's it. cute like yeah your stuff will grow over time at like 8% but I fucking doubled my investment when I hired my business coach after month one so that was like a, a 100% gain in wow. a month so we're so powerful just ourselves, and again, that's what capitalism does not want us to know or think
1: about ourselves, but that's changing, thanks to us. Yes. All right, last question. How can non-binary or trans people negotiate pay raises without facing discrimination?
2: So boo things, I can't promise you that you won't face discrimination. (laughs) (laughs) My non-binary heart goes out to you, but I would say that negotiation From somebody that's not a cis hat white man starts with really doing the The value of valuing yourself, because negotiating your salary or getting an employer that'll treat you right is just like dating. If you don't value yourself, you're going to attract somebody that doesn't value you either and is going to manipulate you into thinking that you need to stay with them because you won't find anything better or the same shit will repeat in the next relationship. And that's not true. You need to value yourself and what you bring to the table at your job, just the way that you talk about what you bring, like employers potentially can pick up on that. And monetarily, too, if you've been at the workplace for, I don't know, five months, a year, start emailing yourself all of the good things that you're doing or having a running Google Doc that's not from your employer email. Actually, yeah, outside employer email, like Google Doc that shit. Just record all of the baller things that you're doing and this can help you in your annual review as well because your manager's not trying to be like, you did amazing, here's a raise. They're gonna do the opposite. At least that was my experience. I never did well in the nine to five. Managers always made me feel like I was never good enough. So that's why I left and created my own business. But if you do want to negotiate your salary, which you're right to do so because you're probably underpaid anyway, <laughs> it's really important to keep track of the money that you're not only potentially bringing in for the company, how many clients, how many thousands of dollars are you bringing in or saving for the company so you can be like, boom, I saved the CEO a $1,000 in, in blah, blah, blah thing. Give me a raise for this amount. And my good friend, Evie Pretes, also a salary negotiation coach who helps non-binary folks, women, negotiate tens of thousands of dollars in not just salary raises, but like bonuses and time off and all of these other things that cis white men have been taught to advocate for that we had no idea about because we were raised. Oh, just be grateful you even have a job, just stay there. And no, we're out here changing the world. And if we wanna leave or get a raise, We can do that.
1: Yes. We want to be, again, thriving, not surviving. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. So normally, this would be the time in the show we were, where we would go into our rapid-fire questions. But today, we're going to do a little something different in honor of Pride Month. So we collected a few questions from y'all that we're going to answer. So here's the first one. How was it coming out to your Latinx family I say it all timidly like "Mm," because it could be you know that can be a difficult answer question to answer sometimes
2: so I grew up as a kid in the 90s in rural Washington state and I remember asking my mom over and over like mom is Elton John gay and she's like yeah I was like, I kept asking her, I guess, to see her reaction. She's like, yeah, you always ask me if he's gay. He's gay. He's hella gay.
1: (laughs) She probably doesn't say hella, but. (laughs) Nah, that's California.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't feel safe coming out to anybody in high school. I didn't talk about it with anyone until I went to Wellesley College. Hey, that's where everybody comes out. (laughs) Yeah, especially when it's a women's college on the other side of the country. Like, why not? (laughs) so I came out there when I was yeah I got I went to college early I was 17 first gen life flew myself over there because my mom couldn't afford to like check me into college and then I was surrounded by all these queer people that were okay being queer I was like what you can be out of the closet and okay with it and you won't die and people will still love you what the fuck okay. And so I went home when I was 18 for winter break. And I just remember like cutting magazine clippings of random ass women, like not even celebrities, just like stock photos of women that I thought were beautiful and was like plastering them in my room. And one day I was like shopping on Google for a camera and my mom came in and she was like... Charlie, ¿por qué traes tantas fotos? Eres lesbiana. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sí, I go to a women's college, mom. Of course I'm gay. And she's like, Nah, no you're
1: not. And then we just kept
2: buying the camera.
1: she was like, No you're not it's a face that's hilarious no. yeah. well not hilarious but you, you know <laughs> you have to laugh have about to laugh this shit at this, at, you, you know when you you gotta laugh at it <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, I was older I was 25 and mm. um, because I definitely grew up feeling like I was trying to be like the perfect like good Catholic girl and it like it lasted way too long <laughs> Yeah. you get basically and then I was living in the Bay I was I had come out probably yeah like at 25 and then I was moving to LA And so my mom helped me move. And so she came up to the Bay to help me with my stuff. And so we took a a drive down from the Bay to (laughs) LA. And I told myself, I'm gonna tell her on this trip. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Somehow I'm going to do it. So it was like a painful trip, right? Because I was like, when am I going to tell her? Do I want to tell her kind of early in the trip so we have a long time to talk about it? Do I want to wait till like the end of the trip so that like I can get it over with? And so I ended up choosing close to the end of the trip. (laughs) And so the way I introduced it, I said, hey, I I was talking about how a lot of people do things, live their lives for other people Mm -hmm. and they live to make others happy instead of themselves happy. So that's kind of how I introduced it And um, she was like, yeah, like, what do you, you know, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Like, you know, have you, have you done that? (laughs) And um, I was like, well, yeah, like I, you know, I'm, I'm gay and I feel like I haven't been exploring that because I was trying to make everybody else proud Mm -hmm. and like trying to do what I thought was the right thing as someone who was connected to her Catholic Mm-hmm. felt felt connected to her catholic faith and mm, that's hard especially mm-hmm. if you feel connected I felt connected to it and yeah. so it was really really hard and and also her responses like are you sure did men have men have men hurt you <laughs> like that, those kinds of mm-hmm. questions and she's like i wish we had helped you earlier mm-hmm. and i don't know what she but i think she meant like help you like i'm not sure what she meant by that yeah. actually like help you like she probably go, didn't know either. get over that or like <laughs> But so it was after that. It was a, a few awkward weeks, and um, luckily, though, my mom kind of came around, and she slowly started to just, you know, open herself up. And you know, it could have been a lot worse. I know a lot of folks who have had yeah. tougher situations. Obviously, mine could have been better. Yeah, <laughs> pero um, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful to did today that mm-hmm. that I do have a, a supportive family. Yeah, for sure, but. Took, it took a minute, it took a minute. Mm-hmm. And I definitely just let my extended family find out on their own. I'm like, I'm not coming out to everybody. Like, I can't, yeah. do, I can't do this.
2: People are most of us, people don't find out anyway. Y'all, Y'all can
1: find out on your own time and I don't care if y'all accept me. There were a few mm-hmm. people that I cared about and other people that I'm like, if, if this family member doesn't doesn't support me, I, I don't care about this person. Yeah. They don't need to be in my life. No, bye. But, but it's hard with the people you actually care about, yeah. right? Yeah, like the, my grandparents, like Oof. I couldn't, I wasn't able to tell them, and that mm-hmm. would have like definitely been hard for me to mm-hmm. to to swallow for sure. It's such a gamble when you're queer;
2: you have to protect yourself and you want to protect others, but you feel like you're compromising who you really are. It's just a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. So next question is. From Melissa, I would absolutely love help on properly using pronouns like yours. Speaking to Charlie, uh, tips for adapting and changing mindsets. I I try really hard, but it's difficult to break ingrained practices of she and he. I've got a really core group of friends that are LGBTQ+, and I want to learn for them. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Melissa.
2: We met in Janice's blog boot camp. And I noticed that, Melissa, you even used my correct pronouns in the Zoom chat. You specifically said, I like this thing that Charlie said, they blah, blah, blah. So you already used my pronouns correctly in that sense because I've been misgendered in Zoom meetings a lot, especially in grad school, even though my pronouns were right there not as much by students, but like by professors, but it's emotionally exhausting to feel like you have to correct people that you interact with daily because it's a lot of emotional energy. So I appreciate that question too. But also you can just practice in your head, literally say the person's name and their pronouns over and over and over again, like Charlie, they, them. That's what I do when I want to internalize something and believe it. Like the fact that I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm bringing my clients with me. I've had to say that shit to myself hundreds of times. It's not like a little cute little belief that popped in my head. And I'm like, oh, I believe this. Like you have to sometimes write things down or say them aloud for your brain to really believe them and internalize them. And if you slip up, it's okay. What matters is the intent. I'm staying with my family members right now, and it's complicated because in English, I use they, them pronouns. In Spanish, I speak with male pronouns, que me hablen de él. And I've been with my family for several days and they'll still like accidentally switch and call me ella and then correct themselves and call me él. And I'm like, whatever, at least y'all are trying. That's the intent, so I appreciate the effort.
1: Yeah, yeah um yeah I mean I gotta be honest I made a mistake earlier just on this earlier today and it's like I also don't know I'm like is it A-Yay? or you know like yeah it, it, l is fine right, right right but it's like those questions like oh A-Yay. wait I didn't get the answers to those, those <laughs> questions it's yeah anyways we're we're all doing our <laughs> doing our <laughs> we are. doing our best um all right next question is what is the your best advice for starting something new and I don't know what this person meant by starting something new, but let's go with romantic. <laughs> Just to make it more fun. Cause I that's how I thought about it. And I that's and I've got some answers for that. But if you're not ready, I'll share mine. Yeah. But you I'll, share. Take you, I'll take you a moment. Like, okay. What? Okay. Think about it. <laughs> all right. All right. Um so the here's what I have for starting something new. I have um be honest with where you are. I think that's probably one of the most important things. It's like if you are recently out of a relationship, let folks know that Really early, you know, if you are looking to, you know, explore connections with several people, let that person know too. I think, as just as honest and upfront as you can be, it's really important. Um, another thing that I wrote was que, que, que fluya. <laughs> mm-hmm. so when something is new, like don't rush for it to mean something because then it might mean something that's not actually what it's supposed to be, right? So just let things flow. Don't rush things. Um, Don't sacrifice your boundaries to impress someone because it's gonna come back to bite you. So the more that you can be true to you right away, Mm -hmm. the better off that you'll be able to weed off. Like, I don't know if weed off is the right word, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like weed off the the, the people that are not right for you. So don't, Mm -hmm. because someone is, you know, you like something about someone, like don't try to pretend like you're somebody else or something that is important to you is not Mm -hmm. important to you. Just be true to yourself. Um, I wrote. I obviously, it took some time thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> here's so. another one. Si, si no si no te prende because you know mm-hmm. I'm living living in Mexico now. So I'm, I, speak, I think a lot in Spanish now. Si no te prende, don't waste your time. So if they don't light you up, don't waste your time. If you're lukewarm about somebody because they like you're like oh this person's attractive or they look good on paper, doesn't matter. If like if someone lights you up, they lights you up. If they don't, they don't and don't you know because if you might be lighting them up, but they don't light you up, so don't waste your time. So that's what I would say. Um, and then, last thing is like, I mean, that's it. That's it. Be kind. My last one is be kind. <laughs> but that's kind of like with be honest. I think be honest with where where you are. I think is is part of the the be the be kind. Because and I say that because I think sometimes, you know, people get out of relationships and they're looking to sort of fill. Voids with um, whether it be sexual experiences, things like that, and they're often not really caring for those those folks that they're having you know experiences with because yeah. they're sort of still healing. So that's where I, that's where I'm coming from with, for with be kind. So if you can't treat someone with respect and honor them, it's because you're not ready to be seeing people and you're just trying to like help your heart, but you're you're not treating people right. So yeah. like wait until you can be kind to folks before you start seeing people and starting something new. Yeah. I don't know if you would what you would add to to
2: that. (laughs) No, that's beautiful. And I definitely relate a lot to that. I just ended a relationship like a month ago. And I'm not trying to hop into a next relationship because I want to make sure that I'm 100% happy being like soltero and being single, not alone. I don't like being alone. I'm introverted, but I'm extroverted. I love company. I am social. I can't just like be in my room all day. Fuck that. Like I need human interaction and contact, but I want to make sure that I'm good and process the relationship with my therapist because my therapist, shout out to Paula, she's Colombian. She's amazing. We do therapy in Spanish and I've been with her for almost a year and she has taught me that your next relationship starts where your last one ends. And for me, I'm like, boom, my last relationship did not end well. So I really need to sit with myself and think of the pros, what went well and what went badly, but really make a list of what I want and what I don't want from my next relationship to start creating a conscious relationship from the conscious breakup. And it's really up to me to decide what I want because if not, I'm just going to be floundering about being like, all right, was this next person in each other in relationship like no, you want to be intentional and focus on what are the things that you don't want, but also do want. But you also want to level up yourself, too, because you attract energetically the people you are at the moment, too. So in relationships, sometimes I've attracted complacency because I felt complacent. I attracted insecurity because I felt insecure. And relationships are just really a mirror for how you view yourself. And those things will just blow up in your face. And it's up to you to decide to stay in that relationship and problem solve or get the fuck out of the relationship and just work on yourself until you attract that next person who does see your value. And I'm just saying that just because the person goes to therapy does not mean that it's going to be all good. I consciously wanted somebody that went to therapy. And I realized that that was not enough for my relationship. Like... People can say that they're healed, blah, 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 but if they, you still feel like manipulated and gaslit and unsafe being that person, whether they're in therapy or they make you think that it's not a big deal, like listen to the red flags. People show you who they are right away and believe them the first time. <laughs> you can give people second chances, but if it's really wearing you down and the relationship is stressing you out more than it's making you happy, then leave.
1: I love that. I love that so much. All right, next question. So, as limiting gender roles evolve and women make more money than men in some cis-het pairs, conversations about sharing expenses have led to some interesting debate. Example, some of my more successful gal friends are annoyed about their poor dudes. <laughs> How does this play out <laughs> in same-sex relationships since there are even more steps away from the boring cis patriarchal mold? Hey.
2: I don't know, I, I'm just like, I never expect to like, some, i don't know i i've never been in a cis relationship so this whole like idea that the man should pay for my meals or take care of me financially like no and i think it's dangerous to translate that to queer relationship of like because of your gender presentation you're the masculine you're like the handy one that can like fix shit and fix the tv and should pay the bills i think that's just a dangerous of a pattern to repeat because it highlights the system of codependency because what if that person leaves and you they took care of all the finances that's what men do that's what the patriarchy wants men to do they they tell men you need to be the financial one and be the financially savvy one even though a lot of times men still don't know what the fuck they're doing but that's the role that they're given so that in case they decide to leave the woman for somebody else like they they're good they have the finances in order so in queer relationships I think it's beautiful because we don't have that that gender role, but I still think that sometimes it can slip through the cracks subconsciously where it's like, oh, the mask presenting person does these things. Right. Because people ask us, too. They'll be like, who wears the pants in the relationship? Who's the man? I'm like, there is no man. That's the thing about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad I haven't gotten that question recently, but definitely got that question Mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, But but how does it how does it um, play out? How has it played out in your relationships? Like, have you found it to be really equal or how does it how does it? how has it played out yeah because i don't expect
2: the other person to ever take care of me financially yeah. in any way and i don't yeah. expect them to like when we go out to eat sure i'll treat you to dinner like as a surprise and la 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 and and that but it's like we'll split the bills and have our own expenses but again i've never like lived long term with a partner and had to split the rent with somebody or split utility bills. But if I were to, I would definitely think of like who has a higher salary and take that into account, too, and just be more objective about it. Just because you have the short hair and you have the long hair doesn't mean that you should like pay more. It's literally like, are you making 25% more than pay 25% more of the rent?
1: Yes, 100%. So the way that I've sort of managed it is like, if when I am first courting someone <laughs> um, <laughs> hey. i mean if i invited them out you know like before we're in a relationship then then i'll pay like you know if they mm-hmm. invited me out and they want to pay then they can pay so it's kind of that's kind of how i do it like if i invited you out and i'm like wanting to, this to be a treat then i'll pay for you yeah. i'll pay for you but then in relationships um i have done that like what, what you just shared it's like thinking about okay how much do they make and and how much do I make? Which is why I think it's it's important. And it's like, hey, if I know that they're making less than me, then I'm and this person is important to me, and then you know I, I take that into consideration into mm-hmm. what I pay and like my part my share of it. Mm-hmm. So I've definitely taken in, into consideration like salary differences for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. and the last question we have is what are why are pansexual and bisexual people not as easily accepted in the lesbian and gay and hetero community? Because people think that they're like a cop out or that they're
2: indecisive or that they can just hide behind the cloak of being straight and like when I have uh, I don't know when I like kissed a guy randomly at a party at Harvard <laughs> hey Abraham you were very handsome but I was very drunk <laughs> I got a bunch of texts from my lesbian friends who were like hey hetero you sold wow. out to the other side what? I'm like damn like, a bunch of chismosos out here like I was drunk it was just a party but I understand I'm not bisexual or pansexual but I understand exactly what you're talking about like people think that they can Box us in and confine us of like, oh, you're not being gay enough or lesbian enough or trans enough or next enough, so that people because people project their insecurities out to you, they feel like they're not controlling themselves, so they have to put other people into a box of like, oh, they're doing this thing wrong or right, and I'm doing it okay. So fuck them. Keep doing you beautiful pansexual bisexual people.
1: Yes, and I think a lot. There's also like homophobia that's in that too. Especially I think about like um men that are bisexual that are bisexual and sometimes like women don't want to date bisexual men i Mm -hmm. I have a bisexual male friend and like women don't want to date them and it's like why Mm -hmm. what what issue do you have with the fact that they might they like that they like you know men as well it's like the same as liking other people that aren't you (laughs) yeah right and also some gay men also don't like men that that like that like women as well. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? What, what, like, what is that about? Right? and insecure. Thing. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> Insecurities <laughs> and femphobia, homophobia, it's all those, it's, mm-hmm. it's all things that, you know, not good things. Yes. Um, all right. That's all the questions that we have. Yes, So much fun. Before we uh, end the show, is there any last message you want to leave the people, the listeners with? Um. And additionally, where can people find you? What do you have go- coming up that people should know about?
2: Yeah, so I just say we're two years into a pandemic, y'all. I just want to shout out to everybody and send every big hug. We are an unprecedented times right now we're going through it just take time for yourself to have a nice bubble bath or celebrate yourself even in small ways that's something that I'm working on this year 2022 celebrating myself more and my accomplishments because we're already used to doing so much without acknowledging it but we need to ritualize celebrating ourselves and add that self-worth and value for ourselves let it trickle down into relationships with our money and romantic relationships all of the good things so I'm grateful for all of you listening Grateful for you, Ana Sheila for hosting me, my first podcast recording in a freaking studio in Mexico City. Like, what is our lives? <laughs> this is yes, so cool. It's
1: very cool. Yes.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, y'all can find me at Traveler Charlie on Instagram. My website's Traveler Charlie, and I'm hosting a Well, by the time this goes live in Pride, the recording will be up, but it's going to be investing at the six figure level free masterclass where I'll talk about what it will look like, what kind of account types to open mindset and share my client wins because we're all leveling up together and investing. So, yeah, and I'm offering a six month one on one coaching program for first gen folks who really want to embody their millionaire selves. And so, yeah, you can book a free call at the link in my bio on my Instagram. And shout out to everybody for listening.
1: Hey, check them out. Thank you, Charlie, so much for being with us. I had so much fun. It's so great to get to be in the studio with folks. So, yay. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us and catch us on the next show.
0: Bye. This episode of Tamarindo featured music from the band Making Movies from their new album, which is coming out June 17th. If you like what you hear, please rate and review Tamarindo on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TamarindoCast, on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast, and get in touch with us at TamarindoPodcast.com.